0: Hello again, and welcome to the Cotton Companion Podcast. This is our bi-weekly conversation among the editors and friends of Cotton Grower Magazine about all things cotton. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'm the editor at Cotton Grower, and I'm sitting here in our studio, our cotton studio here in Cordova, Tennessee, talking to our magazine's Ace Online editor, Mr. Jim Steadman. Hey, Beck,
1: and, and hello to everybody out there who's listening. It's good to be back with you.
0: It is going to be back. This is uh, actually only our second little soiree into uh, the podcasting, podcasting as a as a medium. So we're excited to be doing it. We uh, we learned much from our first one. We're sure to learn more again today, and uh, we are excited to jump back into it. So. Uh, With each podcast, we're going to begin uh, the episode, as we will today, with the discussion of the latest news items impacting our industry. Uh, And who better to lead that discussion than Jim here, who is uh, the gatekeeper at cottongrower.com, our website, and thus he's kind of our watchdog for industry news. Today, he's going to lead us in a discussion about all sorts of stuff. We're talking a new world cotton contract. We control uh, just about anything under the sun. Uh, will be discussed here as long as it pertains to cotton but uh, we want to take a short break and when we get back we want to dive right in to talk about uh, cotton planting today being June 17 so you guys are hopefully wrapping up and we want to talk about where we are with that after this brief message from our sponsor.
2: Cotton Grower Magazine has the honor of saluting exceptional sacrifice and contribution to the cotton industry through our annual Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. Since 1970, Cotton Grower has handed out this distinguished honor to one individual who demonstrates tireless dedication to the cotton industry through involvement, innovation, and leadership in those issues that have a large impact on U.S. cotton as a whole. Achievement Award winners are chosen after extensive research and thoughtful input from around the industry. Cotton Grower offers sincere gratitude to Case IH and to Delta Pine for sponsoring the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. In joining the effort to recognize and honor industry leaders, these companies demonstrate their devotion to the cotton industry and their desire to see growers succeed.
1: Well, thanks for staying with us. We're, uh, we're back now. We're going to take a look at some of the news that uh, is impacting the industry and certainly is, has had an influence over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to start with sort of a look at the planted acres at this point. Uh, USDA, of course, does a crop progress report every Monday uh, that's based on, uh, on information that they gather from, from each cotton-growing state from the previous week. Uh, The latest report, which was dated June 14th, showed that 91% of this year's cotton acres have been planted. And quite honestly, in all fairness, that's probably it for this year's crop. Uh, Every major state except three, and I believe it was Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas, had over 90% of their crop planted. But now that we're up against insurance deadlines and traditional planting deadlines, uh, weather issues, I think it's pretty much uh, in the... I think we're pretty much done for this season in terms of planting. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas of course uh, were the most impacted by rain and flooding in late May. Uh, we did talk to some folks in Texas uh, and growers in those areas were able to catch up on planting or, or some of the replanting in some areas uh, and actually planted roughly 1.6 million acres in one week in early June. My gosh. But, uh, but the planting deadlines kind of caught up with the crop. Uh, and for those areas with that had later deadlines uh, the recent storms brought in by Tropical Storm Bill pretty much shut things down in terms of planting so now we'll have to wait till June 30th when USDA issues its first planted acres report which is based on a bit more reality than maybe some of these initial weekly reports are uh, most of the preseason acreage forecasts ranged anywhere from four nine, excuse me 9.4 to 9.7 million acres for this year uh, we starting to see some initial projections that say that number may be end up closer to 9.1 million acres, so uh, we'll see here how things shake out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, as of June 14th, uh, USDA was saying the crop was in, in good shape overall, uh, 55% of it was rated good to excellent, uh, another 38% was rated fair, and those are pretty good numbers for this early in the season, especially with some of the issues we've had, because uh, right now only 7% of the acres are rated poor. Uh, So, we'll see how the recent rains certainly impact these numbers over the next few weeks. Uh, The crop is also squaring, Uh, the report says roughly 13 to 15 percent of the crop is already squaring on average and as far as the five-year average average goes, uh, this crop right now is pretty much right on target, although a good bit of it in certain areas could be considered late uh, and we'll certainly be watching that as we move through the summer and, and see what the weather conditions bring. So with with uh, with cotton in the ground, that sort of brings us to the uh, to the fun part of the cotton season, and I say that uh, jokingly. Uh, this crop appears to be all over the board when it comes to maturity and growth right now. Uh, California, of course, is far ahead of all other states in terms of crop progress. Uh, they got the crop in early; it's up, it's progressing, but their biggest concern continues to be water. Uh, before the recent rains, uh, some of the cotton specialists in Texas described that state to me as sort of a mixed bag, all the way from the Rio Grande up into the northern plains. Uh, their concern is that weed pressure is going to be a big issue this, this year. Uh, now that we have more than adequate soil moisture, growers are probably going to get a really good look at resistant weed species across the state. And for growers that simply couldn't get any early season residual treatments down because of the weather, those folks basically lost a month of weed management. It's going to be tough for them to catch up. Uh, as, as the folks in Texas told me, there's probably going to be a lot of post-direct treatments under hoods, which won't make growers happy. Uh, and there's also going to be a lot of hoe crews uh, in the fields working as well. To date, uh, folks in the southeast and the mid-south seem to be doing a little bit better with weed management. Uh, their concern right now is plant bug numbers are starting to rise in some areas uh, as cotton is squaring and the pest starts moving out of some of the other host crops. Uh, this is a critical time for plant bug control. Uh, our university friends and their consultants are helping make sure growers protect the crop, uh, protect what crop they do have this year. Uh, We're also starting to see reports of PGR treatments going out to sort of help even this crop out a little bit because of some of the differences in in maturity and growth. Jim, before you move on from plant bugs,
0: and I I should have done my homework here, but is this not a little early for plant bugs to be an issue? It seems like when, when they really were a huge issue back in, gosh, 09, maybe 08, when we started really hearing about them as a major issue in the Mississippi Delta. It was another, 09 was very similar to this year when you talk about acreage because for a plethora of reasons they had about 9.1 million acres total uh, in the country. And so in the Delta, a lot of that went to corn and it wasn't until that corn crop started drying down that you really saw this mm-hmm. mass migration, they called it a, a sink, a, heck I can't remember what they called it, but a sinkhole. <laughs> Essentially the, the cotton crop took all those plant bugs out of the neighboring fields once the corn dried down. It's, so. I guess in my mind when i
1: think of plant bugs being an issue it's a little later in the season is this abnormal this year i don't know that it's abnormal i think it, it it's sort of a reflection of where some of the extension entomologists wanted treatments to go yeah uh you know the the initial goal was to get the crop in by early may and i think primarily in the mid-south where the biggest plant bug problems are they were able to do that early at least early to mid-may uh to get the majority of the crop in uh you, they want you to start treatments at Early squaring, which is exactly where the crop is right now. Yeah. I don't know that it's abnormal to see plant bug activity because obviously I'm a reporter, not an entomologist. Right. right. Yeah. Maybe uh, we should ask yeah. catch at this. Yeah. Maybe we should. Yeah. Um, but what you're what you're seeing is because of the variations in weather, some of the wild hosts like weeds and other things that growing around along the turn roads are starting to dry down in some areas. You're also getting wheat harvest. In other areas and corn has been in the ground since April yeah so you're starting to see a little bit of movement out of those areas as well so uh, I don't know that it's early I certainly don't know that it's late I just know that at this point uh, we're just getting started
0: yeah yeah they're moving well I mean you you know we, we look at some of the same reports and and you can't help but notice all of the guys in the Mid-South right. and Southeast are, are leading with that. You Absolutely. Know, plant bug stuff. So Absolutely. Go ahead. Don't mean to interrupt. Okay.
1: Uh, one last item that I think was of interest. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're a cotton grower, it may not jump out at you as, as something to, you know, that's going to, uh, to cause you problems sleeping or, or worrying, but it is something to kind of keep in mind and keep an eye on. Uh, for the last couple of years, intercontinental exchange, or ICE, as the industry calls it, uh, has been working to put a new global cotton futures contract in place to help move cotton grown in other countries to d- other delivery points around the world. Uh, right now, the prevailing contract that kind of currently guides the market, or the old number two contract as it's known, is based on U.S. grown cotton, uh, and it's still the industry benchmark. But as developed by ICE, and and trust me, they have the full support of the American Cotton Shippers Association and the International Cotton Association on this. Uh, This world contract would allow cotton grown in the U.S., Australia, Brazil, India, and a couple of West African countries uh, to be delivered and expected at four different points around the world. That would be the U.S., Australia, Malaysia, and Taiwan. What they discovered as they started through this process is one of the biggest obstacles has been what's known as the U.S. Cotton Futures Act, which dates back to 1916. And that act requires cotton tendered under any U.S. listed contract, and I'm I'm reading this verbatim, to be graded and sampled by USDA. Uh, That act was amended on June 17th by the House Ag Committee. It now moves to the Senate Committee for its approval, but it basically removes that legal barrier uh, that, would, that could cause problems or, or, a, or a hurdle at this point for the world contract. Simply put, uh, it's going to allow ICE to move ahead uh, with the final pieces of putting this contract in place. It has the cotton market support. Uh, the contract is, is very reflective of the realities of today's global cotton market. Uh, I have no idea when the contract will be finalized and have all the details in place. The original plan was to have it in place by the first quarter of this year. Uh, Obviously the U.S. hurdle, and as I understand it, a few other issues maybe in Malaysia uh, at this point have kind of delayed things. Well,
0: you know, on that note, I'm just sitting here thinking, we just heard about the SNAG, this 1916 Mm -hmm. roadblock piece of legislation. Maybe in the past month or so, and, and the guys on Capitol Hill have already gotten it repealed. I mean, my gosh, for uh, a Congress that is uh, infamous for gridlock and deadlock and moving at a snail's pace, you know, bravo. Well, well bravo, but,
1: but again, keep in mind, this is just the House Ag Committee. Oh, it's just a committee. It's yeah. just a committee. <laughs> right. uh, you know, the, you have to start somewhere. Now it's got to move to the Senate Committee. Once they approve it, it's got to go to the Senate and House for, you know, for approval, you know, for a final vote. Uh, I'm not going to get into politics <laughs> yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah. that, that pause there, while I thought about it, but uh, hopefully this will be the. I think they've got enough broad-based support uh, to keep this moving through at this point. So, anyway, that's kind of the update. Of this, uh, you know, for this for this edition of the podcast of, of things that are kind of hot and and current and and moving through the market. Um, Throw it back to you back. Yeah, no,
0: very good, Jim. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, on that Eastern note, you mentioned that as an aside there, there may be some issues popping up in Malaysia. I want to keep our focus there uh, in, in Asia. I want to talk uh, in our next segment after we go to a break here about the elephant in the room whenever we're talking about lagging cotton prices, and that is China. I know that. When I uh, am talking to cotton grower friends of mine from back home, I got a lot of uh, friends who, who are farming these days, and and they want to know, you know, what I what insight I have about China, which is not great. I, I can only sort of be a reflection of what I hear when I go to these meetings. But China is uh, the the holder of the world's largest cotton reserve, and uh, they did announce earlier in the week that they are going to be ridding it, uh, themselves of some of those large stocks very soon so we want to talk about what that means for you guys and what it means for your farm and the bottom line uh, in this cotton market or rather the uh the cotton market itself after we go to this break we'll be back shortly
2: cotton grower magazine has the honor of saluting exceptional sacrifice and contribution to the cotton industry through our annual cotton grower cotton achievement award since 1970 Cotton Grower has handed out this distinguished honor to one individual who demonstrates tireless dedication to the cotton industry through involvement, innovation, and leadership in those issues that have a large impact on U.S. cotton as a whole. Achievement Award winners are chosen after extensive research and thoughtful input from around the industry. Cotton Grower offers sincere gratitude to Case IH and to Delta Pine for sponsoring the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. In joining the effort to recognize and honor industry leaders, these companies demonstrate their devotion to the cotton industry and their desire to see growers succeed.
0: Okay, so we do want to dive right in and start talking about China, the largest factor whenever we're talking about global cotton prices. As we know, China has held... A significant portion of global cotton reserves over half I believe is correct it's uh, for the past several years and so you can't have any discussion about cotton prices about this 60 to 65 cent window that we've been trading in for what seems like forever uh, recently without mentioning China so on June 11th our, our news peg here is when this popped back up uh, there's a guy named Yin Jian, I hope I'm not butchering that name, Yin, J-I-A-N, uh, who is the Deputy Director of the Economy and Trade Division of National Development and Reform Commission. That is a long uh, title that guy carries around. So anyhow, he's speaking at a, uh, a conference, an industry conference in India, and he mentioned, this is on June 11, Newspeg June 11, He says, and I'm reading verbatim here, China will issue detailed plans in the next 10 days, Yin told the conference. He gave no further details on price or the timing of the release. Market rumors have swirled for for weeks that Beijing is preparing to release some of its stocks from reserves, exacerbating sluggish demand for cotton as mills keep inventory to a minimum ahead of the anticipated auctions. Here's a quote from Yin: We will not pressure market prices, he told Reuters. Adding that conditions for the release were stable, mar- that conditions for the release were stable market prices and a stable market. So it's a very considerate of Mr. Yin to say that they won't pressure market prices as as we are staring at, you know, 65 sixty-five cent cotton for the past several months. Well,
1: I think one thing is important to keep in mind, and all this back is, yeah, China does, yeah you know. Uh, of the cotton reserve that's sitting out there in the world, China does hold roughly 50% of it at this point, which means they have it under control and it's not available to the market. Uh, that's one of the reasons that market prices have just have kind of run sideways for quite a while uh, at this point. Simply there's just too much cotton out on the market. Uh, but at the same time, this it's, it's kind of an interesting timing for them to say they're gonna come in and, and offer some cotton out Of the reserves for auction actually as I recall they tried that earlier this year they offered some cotton out to the mills and uh, in order to kind of help stimulate things and keep moving moving cotton out of the reserves and the mills were not real thrilled with the prospect of buying cotton out of out of the internal reserve Uh, nobody knows for sure Uh, there are an awful lot of rumors and and a lot of speculation that the, the cotton that is sitting in reserve at this point uh, that the quality has deteriorated, uh, that it is, uh, it is just not what the mills want uh, or need in order to, to spin and, and create textiles. Uh, so I, we'll wait and see what happens with this latest announcement. Uh, I don't know if there will be some incentives involved. Obviously, like, like the minister said, uh, they're going to make an announcement within 10 days. Well, you know we're pretty much right up on those 10 days. I don't think anybody has any indication whatsoever. As to what uh, the details will actually be, uh, I think the other thing to keep in mind is this is this is a policy that was put in place in terms of the building the reserve uh, several years ago after cotton cotton prices climbed over a dollar and uh, it just the Chinese basically made the decision to go ahead and start building cotton reserve in order to protect themselves from high world prices. Uh, I
0: had never thought of that, but I knew, I mean, I would heard Joe Nicosia, who's the CEO mm-hmm. of Allenberg Cotton, and he was, uh, we hear him talk every February at the Gin Show, right. he delivers his report, and, and he, I remember him saying that they have sort of started this policy to stockpile lotless cotton in 2010, mm-hmm. which when the, that they, they kind of turned over the sleeve, they said, this is what we're going to do, and it's their way of sort of regulating prices. I never put two and two together, that that was a direct response, you can draw a straight line. Between you know what what did we get up to that year? Two dollar
1: cotton. Well, some of the cotton got up to two dollars, but it's it's uh once cotton went over a dollar, I think it was uh, they started looking at what can we do to protect ourselves. Yeah. On this because it was becoming too expensive for the mills. Yeah. At that point.
0: Yeah. Never put two and two together. That's interesting though. Interesting. But
1: but the, I think the other thing to keep in mind in all this is the mills right now have been have been searching. They have been scouring the market for anything any type of machine-picked high-quality cotton that is still out there uh, whether it's from the US whether it's from Australia but but the the July crop the June from from the July marketing year is essentially gone at this point uh, which may may also be an impact on, on the timing of this announcement by China uh, but but the mills have figured out a way to, to go around some of the import quotas and restrictions that China put in place earlier this year. Uh, those restrictions were, were basically came down to import of bales of cotton, had nothing to do with importing cotton yarn, and that's what a, that's what a gr- good number of the mills have been doing is sort of going around the backside of this and bringing in yarn that's already been processed and spun in the U.S. and other countries. And ready to take it in and just put it you know take it into the mills and put it on the spindles and
0: go and that's that's ultimately just so i'm sure here a good thing for u.s cotton sure, right absolutely. i mean because because those mills in china want the quality that we can provide they right? are
1: wanting quality
0: yeah i want i want to take a step back before we get too far into the weeds there to talk about what we we're talking about a second ago kind of the genesis of this mm-hmm. uh policy that they set into place back in 2010. So, and I'm kind of referencing a story that I wrote in that featured in our April issue uh, that was uh, written about the address that Joe Nicosia, that I mentioned earlier, this address that Joe Nicosia gave at the Gin Show. It was an economic update here in Memphis. Um, He said that for the last four years, uh, the Chinese government averaged 17.7 million bales of cotton imports annually from around the globe. A lot of that came from the U.S., just for comparison's sake, that's more than the entire U.S. crop, uh, which averaged about 16 million bales a year during that same time frame. So they are taking bucos of cotton off the world market, stockpiling it there so that they can maintain the world price. I mean, they are playing God essentially with the global cotton market. It does, it responds to the moves that they make, and they know that they are holding all the cards. So. Nicosia told us this year at that Jin Show, he said that there's been a sea change in their thought. It was kind of a bullheaded policy from them in the first place. They were a total bull in the China shop. I mean, they they thought that that them controlling the uh, cotton market, making prices go up or down as they saw fit, was only going to prop up their uh, spinning mills, right? What mm-hmm. also as we've seen, as we've benefited from, it buoyed uh, the global cotton price.
1: Well, the other other thing in all this too is not only was China bringing cotton in from from around the globe in this 17.7 million bales that they were bringing in annually, they were also keeping every bale of cotton that was produced in China. Uh, They had a program in place that paid their cotton growers almost a premium price. You don't want to call it a subsidy. Because it's in the world market, that's right. really kind of a bad right. bad word. I right. wish uh, y'all could have seen Jim Stedman roll his eyes <laughs> as he said that. Uh, their program was there that, that basically rewarded growers for, for planting cotton. Uh, so every bale that was produced internally in China also went into, into this reserve stock, uh, or if it didn't go directly to a mill. Uh, that has also changed in terms of the new cotton policy. Right. Uh, they're looking at reduced acres this year. Uh, there's a new program in place that's uh, really sort of an incentive for growers to grow cotton over the western provinces of China, get it out of some of the eastern provinces where it's, it's normally been grown, Right. centralize production in one area, and, I, and, I, and manage it as best they can.
0: Yeah, I, I want to kind of focus on that just for a second. So this is Xinjiang. Jin, I'm really butch. I hope we have no uh, Chinese speaking <laughs> uh, listeners who are gonna get angry at We won't
1: have listeners who understand who know better than we do. Right,
0: right, yeah, I'm sure. So so Xinjiang is this region where Jim's talking about where so when they switch to this more target price, support price system away from the stockpiling, um they 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 a lot of people estimate, Nicosia estimates estimates rather that China's only trying to bring in 7 million bales this year, as opposed to 17 million. So that's part of this policy. The other part of this policy is, centralize their own production in that Xinjiang region. And uh, a little bit about that region, it's in the far west of the country, it is traditionally a troubled region, um, it's it's an area, you know, China struggles uh, internally with, um ethnicity uh, fragmentation because of ethnicity, they have some some internal uh, conflicts with that. These these people in the far-western region of Xinjiang are, um, they border, they share a border with some Middle Eastern countries. They are uh, somewhat similar culturally, um, maybe uh, religiously with that Middle Eastern region. So there's some unrest there. Um, There is occasionally uh, conflict and violence that erupts in that region. So part of this policy is to placate that. I mean, it's it's also traditionally uh, economically s- troubled region. So part of this policy is to prop up this historically poor and troubled region of the country. And um, so they shifted, this is a direct quote from Nicosia, he said, when they shifted to the target price system, what they told Xinjiang was, we're going to promise you basically the same prices that you were getting before we switched this policy, but in the form of a target subsidy. And so this was a sweeter deal than the ones that growers in the uh, country's eastern regions were offered, which, I mean, my gosh, can you imagine if they tried to do that in America? (laughs) Yeah, uh, Mississippi, you're going to get a different target price, a higher target price than the
1: rest of the country. I mean... That, I can't see that going over well. In Texas and Georgia, you're going to get. Here's here's your deal. And here's your deal for the mid south, and, right. and here's your deal for for the Southeast and, and California. What what cotton you have uh, at this point? Here's the program you operate. On. Right. I <laughs> mean, know. that would fly like a uh, freaking. What
0: do they say? Lead lead duck? Or I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to get in. I don't want to mix my metaphors here. So. Um, as a result of this policy, of this placation of the Xinjiang region, acreage reductions um, are going to happen, and I want to get into that uh, here in a second, are going to happen in China, but they won't be as drastic uh, as they otherwise might have been had they not sort of appeased this region. I did make a note in this Reuter story uh, from last week, from June 11. They said uh, China's cotton output is projected at 5.86 million tons in uh, the 2015-2016 marketing year, according to a director of the China Cotton Association. That's going to represent a decline of basically 10% uh, from 2014-15, according to that association's data. Um, and is slightly lower than the latest estimate from USDA, which put output for the coming season at 27 million bales or 5.88 million tons. So, essentially the same things going on in the US. Uh, mm-hmm. We are also reducing our acreage by 10% this year. And, and Nicosi actually mentioned this back in February, this world price is down, suppressed, um, but of all, the, of all the cotton producers in the world, the major, the only two countries that are really gonna draw back acres, right here in America and, and China, and it seems that's what's playing out.
1: Well, uh, there's also some acreage reduction that may be underway in India at this point too and it's not necessarily by design mm-hmm. as, as much as it is a factor of whether the monsoons are going to arrive on schedule or not. Uh, it's still been relatively dry over there. It's planting time. Uh, there are some projections that, that India could be off nine to ten percent, uh, but again time will tell. It's, it's, it's turned into a very interesting year in cotton around the world. For sure, certainly,
0: and, and there's always such a double-edged sword for our purposes, good and selfish regions, reasons, we hate that cotton acreage is going down <laughs> in the U.S. I mean, our magazine does better when we have 13 million acres planted in the U.S. Or more. Yeah, or 16 million. You guys go for it. Uh, no, Because, you know, uh, not to get too deep into how the sausage gets made, but, you know, seed companies, uh, crop protection product companies are all buying... More happy to buy ads when there's more cotton being grown in the U.S., to be sure. Also, we have developed friendships with a lot of you guys out there. We want you to get your crop in, obviously. We want you to make a great crop. We want you to plant bukus of it and, and make good money and, and all the rest. We are your biggest fans. Right. That said, this drawback in acreage, we hate that it's the U, a lot of the U.S. doing it, but it's kind of the medicine that is the only medicine that's going to right-size this global cotton market, right? I mean it's and, and for there to be less cotton in the world so that China can draw back or rather release this massive amount of stocks so we quit having this artificial market. it's just you know it's just what's going to have to happen to get us back to right size uh, uh, global stocks. So you know and Nicosia talked about that that was the sort of the theme of his speech, which actually we titled the article uh, back then in April was uh, life under the volcano. China is this, China stocks are this volcano, they're, they're going to have to get rid of them. They can't sit there forever. The volcano is going to erupt. It's better for the U.S. if it erupts very slowly. If they release these stocks incrementally, you know, it's going to stink while it happens, but as long as they don't just dump all of it at once, it's not going to bankrupt us. So it seems like we don't know for sure, like I say, this, this story came out on June 11. They said they're going to have an announcement in 10 days. China may have made the announcement by the time this podcast gets to your ears. Mm-hmm. but, but we, I think
1: it's, but I think it's also safe to say that you know, obviously right now we don't have the answers. Uh, China has been talking about this. We've been kind of following this story for the last two and a half years. Uh, I think the next opportunity we'll get for an update from. You know, from someone who works on the, focuses on the world market, we'll probably mid-July, some meetings coming up at that point, and we'll, you know, we'll just stay on top of it as best we can.
0: We will. We will, for sure. This is one of those stories that uh, we have been following for years, and we will continue to do so. All right. Well, that will just about do it for this, our second ever installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. We are still getting a grasp on this thing, but we hope that you'll notice that things are getting incrementally better with each episode, incrementally more slick. Um, If you're listening on iTunes, please do go ahead and subscribe to our channel and leave us a rating let us know what you think of our podcast or shoot us an email um, when you get a chance. Let us know what you think. How can we do better? Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Also, please make sure to follow us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter if you do the Twitters. And uh, on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. You can find our latest issue, the June edition, uh, should have hit your mailboxes. If not, it will be hitting them very soon. Uh, and we hope that you do enjoy it. This podcast is produced by Mr. Mark Antonelli, who works at the Mothership Meister Media Worldwide, there in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'll be back with you in two weeks on the next episode of the Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own cotton companion, Jim Stebbin, we urge you to keep cool out there. My gosh, it's hot. Stay hydrated, uh, and best of luck to you and your farm.